Hey, what's up? It's DeHuff. It's another episode of DeHuff Uncensored. I hope you guys are having a great day. Real quick, before we get into the show, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Also, don't forget today's episode is presented to you by the amazing people over at Sugar Fire in Westminster. Just amazing barbecue. We'll get into that a little bit later, but this lady, she's like begging and pleading. She's like, Scott, I need to be on your show. You're so amazing. Uh, I wake up and I look to the left and there's a poster of you. It's weird. The great, the amazing uh, Romy Bean. Romy, how you doing? Oh, Scott, I've been praying for these days. I'm like, when is he gonna ask me? You know, every day I do my, my meditation, my mantra, paid off. Don't give up on your dreams, kids. Blessing. That's your mantra is just like, Duff will have me on his show. Duff will have me on his show. Please, please, please. <laughs> yeah, it's the first one. <laughs> well, thank you so much for popping on. It's funny too, because you and I have kind of worked together and you know our paths have always crossed. I think the last time I saw you was at Broncos training camp. That was Nathaniel Hackett. I, I I didn't go to uh, training camp this year uh, with Sean Payton. I know it was a little crazy out there, a little bit different adjustment. It's kind of it kind of reminded me of when Peyton Manning came into town and just the whole culture change. Um, so that's kind of why I stepped aside, but I, I kind of, before we get into the Broncos and kind of, you know, some fun headlines as well, you're, you're a hometown, you were born in South Africa, which I don't think a lot of people realize, but you, but you moved here. How old were you when you moved to Colorado? I was a baby. No, I was two. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes like a lot of times people are like, Oh, are you from here? And I always say, yeah, basically. Cause like. And then uh, otherwise, but sometimes it's fun to be like, oh, I was born in South Africa, actually. Right. But then I'm, but then they're like, when you move here? I was like, two. They're like, oh. It's like, it still counts. They're like, well, you don't have an accent. That's yeah. weird. Like, really? <laughs> uh, so one thing that you and I were joking around about before I forget about this, you were, you were doing an impression of your mom. And I always do, I do an impression of my mom, but it sounds nothing like her. And I just think it's funnier when it's, like that because i'll be like hi honey where are you going today did you eat your mashed potato and then people are like is that how your mom sounds and i'm like she sounds nothing like that and uh -huh. then they're like scott are you jewish and i'm like no just i just think yeah like hi honey i always have to start the voice with that be like hi honey how are you doing today? So <laughs> what is your mom in your mind? What, how, do, how do you do your impression of your mom? Let me preface it that the South African accent is like one of the hardest to replicate. So it's really hard to do. But yeah, I, we were saying a, a lot of people in America call me Rami. But I was born in South Africa and my parents are from there. And so everyone there is like, oh, it's Romy. It's Romy Bean. Nobody thought it was going to be like Rami. So they got here and like they're like, this is weird. Uh, but yeah, I can't do the accent very well. It just sounds British when I do it. Well, you, it sounds British? Well, yeah, but, when I try and do it. But, Hello, my name's Romy. Oh, no, it's it? like that. That's, that's like, Cockney. accent is like a little tricky. It's like a little bit British and a little bit Australian, but something in between. But it doesn't that's, actually, that's actually a pretty good British accent. I like that. Sounds British. <laughs> uh, you, went to the, you went to Cherry Creek High School, which is awesome. Then you went to University of Colorado. You don't always see that. And that's, 
I think that's cool, especially because you're still here. And, you know, Colorado is such an amazing place. Have you ever thought about leaving the state or are you pretty much hunkered in in the state of Colorado? You know, it's so funny. I don't really like, I don't know. I haven't like ever really like thought, thought about it, but um, I, for me, like, I just love where I'm at because covering the teams that I grew up cheering for and quite literally with the Broncos cheering for, but is so fun. And I think that it brings a special dynamic because you know, the history of these teams, right. And, and, and it's, so it's when you're talking about, Oh my gosh, this reminds me of this time, right. In the nineties or the two thousands or whatever. I think that makes it um, just a lot of fun. And it's just, I feel like more than I'm just reporting on these teams, right? I feel like connected to them because in a way I still am a little bit of a fan, which of course there are plenty of people that take issue with and have such issue with being an unbiased journalist. Uh, boy, that has really uh, come up more this year than any other year, mostly because of CU. But at the same yeah. time, I just think, well, yeah, but who wants a boring, unbiased journalist? I mean, there's space for those people and there's space for people like me and there's space for more completely fan-based journalist, you know? So I think that's what I love about it is just that I get to cover these teams that that I really love. I love covering these teams. So, and, and, and you briefly hit on it. You were a, a Denver Bronco cheerleader. What, what era were you in for Denver Bronco cheerleading? And also my daughter, who's eight, wanted me to mention, because I told her I was going to interview you, is uh, she did cheerleading. She's eight years old, but she did cheerleading last year mm -hmm. and she kind of liked it but it's a lot tougher than people realize yeah it, uh but she also wants me to somehow get your autograph so next time i see you i got to get an autograph and give it to my daughter okay john i always think it's funny when people ask for my autograph i'm like mine really why okay uh, <laughs> all right are you sure you value this nice okay um but I, I, yes, I was a cheerleader. I, for, I did it in two stints um, and I did it, I feel like I was a cheerleader forever. I was a cheerleader for seven years. Um, but I did it, my first year I did it straight out of high school. Um, I did the Kobe Bryant, I just went straight to the pros. I said, I'm doing college dance team. Um, <laughs> but so I made it, I was 18 the first time I made it and I did it for five years. And that was the uh, like two. 2005 to 2010 so it was the the for a little bit of mike shanahan 2005 afc championship game i'm gonna never forget i've never seen so many terrible towels at mile high in my life um and then it just spiraled real quickly into the josh mcdaniels years i survived the josh mcdaniels years i like to preface that um uh it is interesting one thing i learned with that is when you have a miserable as a head coach, it bleeds into everything. Like everybody was miserable. It affects every part of the organization, even if you're not part of football operations. Um, anyway, I did it through, I survived Josh McDaniel years, moved to LA for a few years. I came back and then I was like, ah, I'm going to try out again. And I happened to try out again in 2015. So that worked out quite oh, wow. good. So what I like to say is I was truly there for the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't <laughs> realize that. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you also won the 2022 co, I don't know, who was the co, uh, the other co Colorado sportscaster of the year? Uh, Connor McGahey. Connor, Connor McGahey. Connor McGahey. Avalanche girl. <laughs> well, that's Force cool. of nature. Versus... So, so one thing like, I, and I, I feel bad because last year at this time I was supposed to 
interview Susie Wargen, mm -hmm. somebody that I've just respected the crap out of from the get-go. And, and, and it's funny because I see my wife just kicking butt and taking names in, in the business world. But I also see the struggles that she runs into because there's a lot of times, maybe not right now where she's at, but there's been times in the past where you get this, this boys club that you run into of individuals that are like, oh, great, a woman's trying to, you know, impede on what, you know, encroach on what we're doing. And, it, and it's a problem. So you winning co-Colorado Sportscaster of the Year, in my mind, is a huge deal. And I talk about Susie Wargen. It, it's funny because I look at her as she was just always good. She was always professional. And then, like, when I talked to – when I would be at, say, Broncos and I'd be chit-chatting with her, she was always respectful to people. Mm -hmm. She was just class act, and she still is. It, it, when you look at somebody like her and other ladies in the media, who are your inspirations or who are, who are the people that you look up to that, are, that kind of keep you going to keep kicking butt and taking names? Oh yeah. Wow. There's, there's so many. I mean, you look at a, a woman like Susie, right? She's so like put together um, and she's kind and she's, she's someone that I've leaned on a few times when you're kind of going through crap because she's, um, she's very, oh, has always been very like firm though in what she believes and what she will and won't put up with, um, which is a great lesson for young women because I like many can be a pushover and you just never say no, you know? Um, so she, she's one of them. I, I think we talk about like Marsha Neville, right? Marsh people here don't necessarily still maybe young people like who's Marsha Neville, but she was a sports reporter here, like in the eighties, right? Talk about knocking down doors. Uh, and then you just, I think there's so many women. I, what I like to do is I look at like a lot of women uh, nationally and kind of see what makes them stand out. Right. And, and I think what it is, is, um, well, there's, I think with women, it's interesting because I think that you kind of have to balance being, you know, approachable and then for lack of a better word, like authoritative, right. In your, in your reporting and in what you do and, and how you are in the locker room. And it's just, it's a constant learning curve, I think, of figuring out, staying true to yourself, but it's, it just is different than being a man, especially when you go in a locker room and, and, and kind of stuff like that. But it's becoming, I think so comfortable with who you are. And when I look around and you see like Doris Burke is obviously just the goat of all goats, but to see how she has always, I mean, no matter where Doris has gone, right. People have tried to knock her down and it's just like, she's unfazed because she knows who she is. She knows what she wants. And I think it's remembering that all the time. And, and Susie's like that as well. And I've had some great conversations with her in terms of how she's handled things at a time too, where I look now, it's so much more, people are so much more receptive than they were even when Susie was in TV, right? Um, and so it's constantly just trying to, to learn from, from great women like that and the ones that have paved the way to get there because I think it's so impressive what women like that have done far more than what I'm doing. Yeah, they are more impressive than you. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> this is why I like you. <laughs> uh real quick before we move on to headlines you climbed mount kilimanjaro yeah when was that yeah you know this is so funny this is such a like harebrained like i can't believe we did it but there was a girl i was on broncos with she's super adventurous she lives in the mountains now 
Um, and she's like, I want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. This was my after my final season, so after the 2016 season. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then a few other girls on the team were like, yeah, well, like, we're all going to do it. There was like a group of like five or six. And then slowly that became me and her. Like everybody else was like, this is stupid. We're not doing this. And then here I am. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and it was the most poorly planned thing. Like we did not plan this out. I didn't even have like the right hiking equipment. I, my brother um, and, and, his, and his wife were very adventurous. So like I borrowed all of their stuff. Um, we booked with a, which actually ended up being amazing, but we booked with a, like a local tour guide. So you can book with, um, a lot of people do it there. I think they're like America, American or English based, um, tour groups and you go with them. I don't know how she found this guy, but he's local, like in Tanzania. And we literally like sent him money through PayPal. My parents were like, you're going to get abducted. Like this is right. so <laughs> sketchy i didn't know anything about this man i couldn't find him on the internet like unbelievable um and Robbie, then, this is like a start of a dateline nbc it this absolutely is, what this is. is my parents like are you kidding me and both of us like didn't have a lot of money at the time i was like just getting into radio so we used like you know like all of our savings at the time and we flew like planes trains and automobiles we like to get there the whole thing was just insane but then we got there and it was incredible and it ended up being the best thing because we got such um i think a richer experience because we you know he took us around the town and everything like every everything he did was so based so much more based in tanzanian culture and everything and so it ended up kudos to her for being like no it's okay because it was such a rich and, and beautiful experience because of that and i think that a lot of people don't necessarily get that. It's a totally legitimate company, by the way. And he's also, turns out, the only Tanzanian who climbed Everest. So he was like a hero. We'd be like going up the mountain and people were like, oh, like everybody really? loves him. And I was like, wow. All right, that, girl. That's what, you, that's what you want. You don't want people being like, oh, my God. Oh, they still let him do this? They're like, oh, my thing. gosh. Yeah. So it, it was actually an incredible experience. And um just a remarkable, remarkable place. I would 10 out of 10 recommend it to everyone. I won't do it. I won't do it. My dad used to mountain climb when he was younger and like do the little literal where you have hooks in the mountain, oh. that stuff. I'm like, nah, I can't, I could never do that. Kilimanjaro is actually, it's like, there's a little bit of misconception. It's the only of, I think the seven summits that it doesn't require any, like it's most, it's really like hiking. You can incorporate a little climbing a little bit, but that's because we were like, we want to do it. So he like took us a different way and like helped us climb a little bit, but it's mostly just a lot of hiking. It's very, it's oh. actually very doable. Still not going to do it. I, <laughs> I, I need to hike more and I live here in Colorado and I, I'm always like driving with the kids or something. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, look how beautiful the mountains are. Then we like never go to the mountains. Yeah. Stupid. Before I before I went, people were like, "Wow, how many fourteeners did you climb to train?" I was like, "One." Should I have trained? I didn't I like, know what? that was a thing. Yeah. Like... <laughs> hey, let's have some fun. Let's jump into some headlines, okay? Oh, we're not having fun. All right. Cool. Oh, stop it! Let's go! Let's go! And now, here are the headlines. <laughs> All right, Romy. All right. What would you do? I it's, I was like going through all these different weird headlines, and I'm like, I wonder what she would do. 
you see a snake with its head stuck in a soda can because this happened in Australia, of course, and it's like this horribly venomous snake. Mm. Are you going to try to help it? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, bad person. So, like, you know, Australian snakes, like you said, are really venomous. Same thing, like, in South Africa. Most snakes are poisonous snakes. So, like, when my parents moved here, they were like, nope, like, we don't we don't deal with snakes. There's, <laughs> there's a, I don't know if I should tell the story. There was, like, a gardener snake um, out front of our house when we were little, and Again, my parents came from South Africa. Every snake's poisonous. Not every snake, but a lot. And so my dad sees this, and he just starts, like, <laughs> hacking up the snake with a shovel. The neighbor comes out. The neighbor's like, you, you know, like, get out of, get out of this neighborhood, you criminal. You're hurting an innocent animal. And he's like, it's a snake. It's going to kill us. And they're like, it's a gardener snake. My parents are like, okay, we didn't know, like, passive little snakes exist. So Why? I was raised in a household where... Snakes are, no, I'm sorry. I know I, I'm a bad person. I'm not helping him. No, you're okay. I we had uh, Chad Brown on this oh, show, and he and he's really into snakes. He loves it. And anytime I go walking around my neighborhood, there's a creek near us, and there's bull snakes and possibly rattlesnakes. So if I ever encounter one, I always take a picture of it and send it to him. And he's like, "No, that's fine. You're." Watch out for that one. But it was interesting because you talk about a gardener snake. I didn't know, like, if you, because I was joking around, I was like, I would just grab it by the head if it tried to strike me, which obviously you wouldn't want to do if it's a like a rattlesnake because you're not as fast as you think you are. Uh, but he's all, if you ever grab a gardener snake, they secrete this really gross smell. Uh, because of what they eat their diet usually consists of like fish type of stuff so they like to be near water and so if you grab them it's going to smell like just gross fishy smell so fyi i know you like to go chasing snakes don't don't oh. <laughs> oh, gross every snake's gonna kill me and then I will oh. not recover from a bite. Like, I, I, I have no belief that snakes aren't venomous, even though I know that there's plenty that aren't. Well, and we, we're talking about Australia. My brother lives out in Australia. And the every now and then, he'll send me a picture of these nasty spiders. And oh. they're so disgusting. And, and uh, before we had kids, we went out and visited there. And we're driving along. My wife and sister-in-law were in another car. I was in a, a car with my brother and his kids and they all of a sudden they stop and they pull over and we're like what are you guys doing they're like did you not see this giant spider it was so big you could see it from the road Ugh. so obviously tourists were taking pictures of it big old butt like this it was disgusting so australia as beautiful as a place as as it is uh -oh. I, I don't think i could live there because of that it's got it's got some wildlife. Have you ever heard of a camel spider? Is are those those really big ones? Google this and you'll never sleep again. So I one thing that was very cool when I was on Broncos is we used to do armed forces tours. Um, so we went to I went to Iraq like in two thousand six when things were quite hairy um, out there. But I, they have camel spiders out there. These things get so big and you like you can't you can't like kill them. Like the soldiers have to like. Like literally shoot them. Like they are, uh, they've got these fangs and these like gross beady eyes and they see you and they just like attack. And they're like, these guys have 
the craziest stories, but there was a camel spider I saw that I will never, ever get over this in my entire life. His body was the size of the wheel on a Humvee. His, and his, all of his arms were wrapped around it. His, that's how big this thing was. His body covered almost the entire Humvee tire and then his arms were wrapped around it. And then so every night I'd be in the bunk and I was like, we'd all be like patting our, Ugh. Right. So, yeah. Were, um, were they poisonous or are they I, just? They didn't, weren't poisonous, but they would like bite you with their fangs. Yes. Yeah, still. So, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to feel good. There's some I weird know. animals out in the desert area. Oof, gross. But not. Uh, uh, a review of by the University of New South Wales, speaking of Australia, uh, did a study on selfies and how selfies can pose a public health problem. You do a lot of selfies, and this is, while this is funny, it's also kind of fucked up because I'm, like, reading through this article in this study, most people, they die from falling from heights. They're trying to get a selfie. The second uh, most common death is drowning because people are trying to take a selfie in the water. Seriously? So, this is seriously a thing. This is like a Debbie Downer segment. Hey, Debbie Downer. <laughs> but you take a lot of selfies. And, and I saw this and I'm like, oh, I got to ask Romy about this. Have you ever been in a position where, one, you've either gone, oh, I should not have tried to take a selfie because that was scary. That almost ended poorly. Or have you ever seen people either just dicking around on their phone or trying to take a selfie? And you're like, what are they doing? You ever ran into that? No, you know, my biggest thing is I'm like, ew, how cringe do I look? Because I like can't help myself. I'm like, I'm on a football field, have to take a selfie. <laughs> it's like a it's like a knee-jerk reaction. Like I'm like, oh god, I just love I just love scenic sports in the background, or I'm at a basketball court, or I'm at a hockey rink. So I I that's it's like compulsive and my <laughs> God bless my cameraman. He's like, I uh you're um so but I can't, I guess I've, you know, I've, I've, I've seen a selfie in like live football action. So I've never had to like worry about that really, but no, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen anybody take, I never take them with like cool, super cool scenic things in the background, I guess. I've never seen somebody, I'm trying to think, no, I've never seen somebody like fall to their death. Thankfully that would be traumatizing. I've, I've seen, yeah, that would be awful. I've seen people doing video chats as they walk on the street and then they almost walk in the traffic and yeah. then some somebody was like dude stop stop what are you doing you know what and, I was about that like the driver's probably it, the one who is like at fault but like if someone's looking at their phone that's just such a unfortunate situation yeah people are it, it gets out of hand like social media kind of like every i guess in your sense you're a public figure but like Joe Schmo, most people don't give a crap if you're, t- you know, hey, guess where I'm at? You know, I'm at the zoo, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Like, there's a lion. Oh, it ate my face. No, you know what I think is weird is I see like, I see videos that'll come up like on my feed of men or women like stopping and like doing like, like dances on like, like a New York City street. And obviously the light's red, but I'm like, what is one the car's thinking behind you too do you always legitimately finish it before the light turns green like it's crazy to me when people do there's so many videos you see of people like walking right with all the cars behind them 
waiting at the light. And I'm like, this feels like something bad's about to happen. Well, and it's kind of like the people are so wanting to find that, you know, uh, instant fame on social media. So you see a lot of people on, especially like TikTok, they go into, say, a restaurant or something and they try to do something funny. But to me, as somebody that used to work in restaurants, it drives me nuts because, like, ultimately, the, the workers don't give a crap about you trying to make a viral TikTok. But you right. see people go in there and they're, like, trying to make a scene, trying to be funny. And I'm like, if I was there, I'd be pissed and I'd <laughs> probably kick them out of the store. But it's just like everybody's so desperate to get that, you know, 15 seconds of fame or get that one viral video and it's just, I feel like it, it's, it is a problem. Yeah, no, it is. It, Cause it's like, because you hear, I think because so many people will be like, yeah, this one video changed my life, made me go viral. So everybody's like looking for that next video and not thinking about the uh, health, safety, or just common courtesy of other people. Right. Well, people are dicks is really what you're trying to say, but I'll say it for you. It's okay. Sure. I mean, not I'm everybody, your... but you know something <laughs> something you're you're too nice that's the problem uh i i just assume everybody's a dick okay uh yeah we all, i'm trying we all, to get to a phase of life where i don't assume the worst <laughs> like mm. you know <laughs> difficult <laughs> you want people make difficult. yes uh this is funny a a california woman was arrested after she spotted a uh after it was spotted that she tried to make a fake license plate she like it's like on a white piece of paper and oh. she just like hand wrote the letters i'm not here's my thing i don't break the law and if if when you see how bad of a job she did on this license plate and it's like well yeah you deserve to get arrested you deserve this because if you're going to break the law at least put some effort into it she was like one step away from using Crayola. And oh. I don't really have anything else to say on this, Romy. I just wanted to bring it up. You know, I had a friend that once I was complaining about something and he said, you know what, Romy, sometimes I think we might be surrounded by idiots. Um, <laughs> this feels like one of those things. I always think about it because he said it, it was so perfect. I was so angry spewing off about things. That's one yeah. of those situations. That's You're like, that is that of all the things to fake. Oh, let me do this. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna catch on to this. My crayon. Nice. Cops are so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, my passport. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they get those a lot at the airport. You're like, what is this crap? Uh, and then a two-year-old girl from Kentucky became the youngest member of Mensa. The high IQ. She too. She was reading by 18 months. Um, the only thing I gotta say about this is imagine being her older sibling. Oh yeah, that sucks. And you know she's gonna be a dick about it too. Like when she gets older, she'd be like, I'm sorry, who's in Mensa? Yeah. Clearly not you. Like she's got she's gonna have an ego problem. That's you all I see. Her parents better watch out because she's gonna be five and she's gonna be like, shut up. Do you know this? No. Right. Can you do calculus? That's what I thought. She's going to rule that family. But if oh my God. Smart, that is the meal ticket. So. 
I know, like, two years old, though, just seems a little bit ridiculous, too. You almost wonder, uh, like, how will that person be socially? Like, you can't be, like, a socially normal child when you're a genius and kids are like, one plus one is four. Meanwhile, they're they're picking their nose and eating it. They're like, I like to eat boogers and paste. Or they're like what I brought for show and tell. It's my daddy's washcloth. Like, how, how does she make he or she make friends? That's probably like a tough life. It would be. Um, clearly, I don't have that problem, but uh, uh, it would be it would be hard. And I and all joking aside, I have a my wife's cousin is crazy smart, but he's a little bit awkward. When it comes to, you know, social situations, he's still, I mean, he's a grown ass adult, but you can still see that he still has some times where he's, he has a hard time socializing. He's getting better as he gets older, but he is like one of the smartest individuals I've ever met. He went to, um, uh, mines and he's just a smart, smart dude, but you're right. Like when, when people are on that intelligent level, like insane level, Most of the people that I've ran into, they're a bit awkward. Like Sandy Clough. I love Sandy Clough. And he, there's times where he's just like, he can't shut off his intelligent brain. Yeah. So, like, so anytime I interact with him, I force him to do dumb stuff. <laughs> I love it. No, it's true. It's like, I think that they just operate at such a higher frequency that like they socially it's just like things that we say are like completely the dumbest things they've ever heard and they're like you're buffoons and why am i i you know it's it's a normal thing i've how many geniuses have you met that are also socially not awkward that would also be unfair like that's irritating oh you're brilliant and you're cool all right yeah exactly the next thing you know that that, then there's attractive ones and you're like god damn it what did i do wrong i was when i was on broncos i was on broncos with a girl who was like a brilliant engineer um and i was like you know what and she was cool and she was normal and she was social she had a great job she was a female engineer she's making a ton of money i was like get out stop it get out you you disgust me get out (laughs) could you have a flaw please for the love of god but also you're really impressive but also (laughs) All right, real quick. So I like to goof around and we kind of did this before with your mom voiced and you completely dropped the ball on that one. But do you have any, cause you're known to be just relaxed and funny and just a chill person. Do you do any weird voices or impressions? You know what? I'm so impressed with people who do good impressions. Because I do impressions, but they're not good impressions. <laughs> like, no. Um, as you know, I make a lot of weird face, faces. I used to post what kind of became a thing for a minute. It was called Romy Face. It was just like me, horrible faces. Because so my, it started, a lot of it started too, because my photographers would try and take like pictures of me during, during live shots so that I could like post it. And every single one was just heinous. And they were like, I'm sorry. Like, I can't get a normal picture of you. Like when you're talking, just a normal, like soft smile, like what? And so I was like, that's hilarious. Send it to me. So I, I make a lot of weird faces. I like can't really sit still, but I don't do like, I don't do like good. I can't do like good impressions. I'm just weird. Yeah. 
to me, it's funny because people think I do a good Sean Connery, but then I'm like, I don't like, really be like, hello there, I'm Sean Connery, and I banged your mother last night. That's <laughs> pretty good, because you have the... So, that's right. Uh, but, <laughs> it's solid. But, but, but every other voice I do is just kind of just a goofy, whatever pops out of my my mouth type of thing. Yeah. And, and it's it's funny because I remember when I was on with Schlereth and Evans uh, doing their show and there'd be times where Mike would be like, uh, let's, you know, do, do a voice for this person. And then I would do it. And he's like, it doesn't sound anything like them, but like stink would be laughing. And I was like, the joke is it doesn't sound like him. Like I used to do the impression of Brandon Stokely. And then, like, I can't do an impression of Stokely. I can't do an impression of uh, a Cajun. So I just was like, I'm a raging Cajun. I'm hotter than a red pepper. Peyton Manning is my best friend. And, like, it doesn't sound like him at all. And I just think it's funnier. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just helping you along. Like, you could, you could start doing voices, but the joke is that they sound zero like the person you're doing impression. Be like, well, hey, I, I can do an impression of uh, Christopher Walken. Ready? Hi, I'm Christopher Walken. How's it going? And then they're like, that sounds nothing like him. I'd be like, huh, huh really? Okay. I tell you, like, hey. Hi. I can't do his voice. I, I, I It's so weird. I can't do Well, that's why, like, I get, you know, the, the algorithms on social media are so creepy because you look up, like, one thing and now a 14,000 impression things, but... I watch them all because people who do good impressions, I'm so impressed with it because because I can't. Um, like, I just will pretend to do their voice, and that's not their voice. And then, you know, I try not to do, like, I used to, like, always change into, like, funny accents. But, like, you know, in this day and age, you got to be like, I'll see people who do different accents. And then I go through the comments, and people are so wildly offended about how incorrect that. And I'm like, they're just, they're just like, doing their best. Like, they're not trying. These people are, in my opinion, trying to be offensive, but people get really offended. So I stopped doing the, any sort of foreign accent either. Well, it's funny because I did, uh, I'll, I'll throw in an Australian accent, and I was doing it. I feel like Australia. What's that? I feel like of the accents, Australian's easy. Yeah, because sure. you'd be like, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm sitting here talking to Rumi Bean. She's quite the lady, and she's pretty funny, too. Blah, blah, blah. But I was doing that, and some guys, uh, like all these people are like, that's hilarious. I had a couple guys from Australia going, hey, that's pretty spot on. This is, okay. that, that sounds like from something in this you know, region. And then some people are like, my best friend's from Australia. You sound nothing like him. How dare you offend him so deeply by having fun? You know who you know who never gets offended by my my bad impressions of accents is the Irish. <laughs> it's okay. so funny. I had people from Russia when I was when I would do my rich Russian billionaire accent, they'd be like, "If I see you, I will beat the shit out of you. I will crush you." And I'm like, "Oh my god, it's a joke." But then I'm like doing Lucky Charms voice. I'll be like, "Ah, oh, we're top of the morning to you. I'm from Ireland. I am." Let's eat some rookie charms. And they're like, yeah, all right, that's great. Good job. So if, so if the fun people are. Yeah. So if you're going to do an accent, just do Irish because they're cool. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now we know. Now I know what you're going to be doing as soon as the camera goes off. You're going to be like, Here's me Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms at the end of the rainbow. Oh. Definitely. Definitely. Romy, I appreciate you popping on. I know it's not like a hardcore. Oh, really? Real quick before I. The, the one, the CU Buffs. Are the, were, would you consider this a successful season for the Colorado Buffaloes football team? Oh, so I would. I think that a lot of people got, because of the hype and the 3-0 and start, people got lost in the fact that this team, not last year, not only won one game, they were a national laughingstock. They were as irrelevant as you could possibly get. They had the worst offense in all of college football. CU was a disaster before Deion Sanders arrived. So I think a lot of people get offended by the pomp and circumstance and what's going on and, and have trouble looking at the fact that they improved um, to four wins. That's, that is big for a program that was irrelevant, not just the year before, but a lot of years before that uh, as well. And as someone who went there to see the change it made to the university, the money, everything, it's undeniable. Do they have stuff to work on? Do they have stuff to fix? Yeah, it's going to be a big test. And now you have to improve on the four win. Um, but I think by the end of the season, because it, you thought the wins were going to come at the end of the season, not the beginning of the season, since it was flip-flop, I think a lot of people kind of saw it as a failure. But I in no way think that it was a failure at all, especially because even when they were on a four or five game losing streak, we're still talking about them nationally. What other team is that happening to? So any way you spin it, absolutely has changed the trajectory of the program and of the university. The regents are like, bring in the money, bring in the applications. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this off season. You got to get, you know, you got to get the trenches. You got to build from the inside out, as they say. Um, but absolutely, I chalk this one up as a big success. Not only that, it's changed the trajectory of Colorado football forever. This will henceforth be, you know, a time where the, the pre and post prime era, right? Right, right. And and it's what what annoys me is well, kind of like you said, like I wasn't expecting them to be bowl bound. I wasn't yeah. expecting them to be, you know, really fighting for a national championship. And the fact that they came out there and did what they did, it yeah, it's definitely a success. What bugs me is a lot of people are just on this bandwagon of hate towards uh Deion Sanders and it's just like why do you want to hate him he's bringing in a positive change like yeah. they should be embracing that I think it just because he's very like I don't know what how you would say it like flamboyant or just he's just out there he has a great big personality I think it just makes him have a target on his back mm -hmm. even though he shouldn't and it's just I think any organization would benefit for for having someone with that type of personality, somebody that seems like he truly cares about the people around him and he just wants to find success both on the field and off the field. And it, it just drives me nuts that people are just like, I see it today. I'm on social media and the people are just calling him a snake oil salesman. Oh, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Come on, stop. It's unbelievable. I was telling someone about this, like all of this, like this, hate and stuff and even in my job like i'm not a particularly inflammatory journalist right i'm not like i just oh, i'm a pretty you know i try not to rattle too many feathers i have gotten so much um so much more 
just hate and people, you know, calling me a joke of a journalist and all of this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it has happened directly when I started covering Deion Sanders. It's unbelievable. I keep wanting to be like, oh, your racism is showing a little bit. I think it might be um, is part of it. I think people yeah. cannot handle that he is unapologetically himself. I think part of that's envy. I think we all wish we could be a little bit like that, right? But like the one thing with with Prime is he's never backtracked on anything he said. Have you ever noticed that? How many guys are like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said because he says it. He's unapologetically himself. Like we're most people aren't like that. I'm not like that. I wish I was like that. Um, and I think that that kind of uh, unbridled confidence rattles people, and they just want to. It's just unbelievable because it's like as many you know people who support him that he has, there's just as many detractors. And it's crazy because it's not, people refuse to look at the product. I have the same thing. I posted something from his final presser and the comments on TikTok is like one after the other, like what a joke, not a good head coach, snake oil, you know, salesman, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, my opinion is, you know what? Fine. But these people who hate him so much cannot get them out of their, out of their brain him out of their brains and their mouths like they can't stop talking about him so again love him or hate him he's bringing attention to colorado and you know an unprecedented level of, of attention to the university and to the program and the people inside know you hit the nail on the head his care factor is what stands out to me he genuinely cares about these guys you got to figure you know coaching and that stuff out but like you know and his staff and whatever but he cares so deeply about these guys kids want to play for him I would. And if my kids were in a position to play for him, I'd be like, yeah, go ahead. That'd be great. I would. And, and I'm starting to get a taste of that as like my son just did uh, little league baseball and he basically had no experience playing baseball and seeing how well the coaches took to each individual kid and worked with them. <laughs> and are you having a cat? I'm trying to be serious. And you have a goddamn oh my god, he's adorable. What's your cat's name? Her name is Josie. I rescued her. She was just living outside my room. <laughs> this is she's very mad that I rescued her because I do things like this. Um sorry, she like whenever I do like a podcast, she sits at my feet and meows so loud, so I have to put her on my lap, otherwise she won't stop. I've had people be like, can you please put your cat in the other room? And then she just really? screams from the other room. So I apologize. Continue. That's okay. My cat's name's Gary. Gary. And, oh, God. He's a chunky monkey. And we we rescued him. But, you know, some might say he rescued us. Um, <laughs> but we don't know how old he is. But he was like, they say six or he could be ten. But he he's diabetic, and that is a problem. That's but anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so so I'm talking about like great coaches and like my son's coaches, even though they're like 10, 11 year old kids, the 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 impact that they had on my son's development, not just as an athlete, but as a person, was huge. And the fact that he's just uh, my my son, like I said, he played T-ball when he was in like uh, when he was like five years old. And then he fast forward, doesn't play a lick of baseball until we sign him up for this because his friend was playing for the team. And my son ends up going from hardly knew how to swing a bat 
to he went in the on the tournament day he was both games total he was six for six with four rbi he was legit and he goes from being have no no clue to getting the proper guidance and also it's it's so important to have a good coach because sometimes you see coaches that aren't and they're all about anger and just like, you got to make the play. And it's like, that doesn't help. And no. you see Deion Sanders, that he's obviously a legit um, force in the college football world. Um, you also cover the Broncos. You do an amazing job. You're, I imagine you're enjoying the streak right now as you know, the Broncos. I don't know how to deal with it because I started this job in let's see well i was started radio i think like 2016 ish i and then i started tv 2018 so i've only covered shitty football so like i'm like this is i don't i I go into the locker room and they're happy i'm like i don't know how to deal with this and so used to asking like you know the questions after losses and everybody's happy and they're willing to take my questions and this is so weird what are we doing um it's so weird oh my god that's funny like, I got to, like, get myself – it's, like, an out-of-body experience. I, but honestly, like, the biggest thing, Scott, is, like, I'm so happy to go in the locker room and see guys like Justin Simmons and Cortland and Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell, who just, like, week after week had to stand up there and talk to us about, you know, why was this crappy again? To see these guys have success is – it's such – it's so great. Like, again, with CU, with the Broncos, people are going to call me a homer. You know what? I'm a homer. Because you know what? At the end of the day, I root for the players. I love to see them have success, especially when you see, like, we've seen what they've gone through, right? Like, why why would you not want to be happy and choose the positive side of things and choose to see these guys have success? I mean, when they play like crap, we'll talk about it. We did that for seven years. Uh, but it's like, you know, even now, like, after the five-game win streak, right, I got people coming after me, and I'm like, if you can't be happy for them, like, all right, you know what? Right. Go find somebody else. Go find somebody miserable to follow. <laughs> right, and that's and 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 that's the my thing is quit quit trying to poop on everybody's parade. Yeah, you know, which which I would love to see somebody try to poop on a parade, That'd just in general. <laughs> really, what are you doing? Never Hold on, don't don't push me. Yeah, <laughs> poop. I gotta go poop poop. Uh, Romy, how do people follow you on social media? Um, I, how do you follow me? I am on, um, Twitter. I got that stupid underscore Romy underscore bean everywhere else. I'm just Romy bean. Um, that that's where I'm at. I've also like started dabbling in YouTube and I, this is total shameless plug, but when we were talking about Deion Sanders, um, I did the coaches show this year and the most rewarding part, which I did not expect were the player interviews and how these players talk about prime go watch a couple of those um they're up on my youtube channel because then i think if you're unsure about Deion sanders that might change your mind um about how he is with his players how he treats his players those were far and away my favorite part of the show so check that out real quick i'll end on this kind of what you just said in the past few minutes is you are who you are and people just need to accept like when you follow romy you know at your core you're you're a fan and you're a fan of the players and you're a hometown girl and i think that's cool you're an inspiration i i I was talking to like i said my daughter this morning and she thinks you're cool and that i think that's neat you're you're an inspiration to people like her and so many others 
and and just and and eventually we'll get to the point where everything is just on the same playing field and and I but right now I know there's still going to be some struggles because there's a lot of sexist dicks out there. I I ran into them a lot, but you got a supporter in me plus a supporter uh, with all my listeners except for that one guy. He's a dick and I don't like him. Everybody's got one, but he's your dick. That's the point. You're my dick, man. You're my dick. I don't like you, but I'll keep you. <laughs> Romy, you're awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, again, follow Romy on social media, uh, on Twitter, uh, at Romy underscore Bean. Otherwise, it's just at Romy Bean everywhere else. I hate that crap, by the way. I tried to – I. There was a time where I accidentally lost my at DeHuff on Instagram yeah. be, because I didn't use it for a while. So they discontinued my account. Yeah. Stupid. So anyway, uh, anyway, it's DeHuff on Censored. That's Romy Bean. She's an amazing person. You got to follow her. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining the podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Big thanks to Sugar Fire in Westminster. Romy Bean, you're the best. Have an amazing day. Try not to, you know, piss any more people off on social media because there's only so much you can do. Am I right? You know, I'm testing my borders. I'm trying. It's a new, it's a new challenge. It's fun. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. I appreciate you so much. You're the best. Oh, awesome. It's the Huff Uncensored. Let's keep moving forward. I'll talk to you next time. Go to Sugar Fire in Westminster. It's amazing. It's amazing barbecue. And it's off 144th and Orchard Parkway. So just east of Huron, just west of I-25, on the south side of 144th, right next to Snooze. It's it's awesome. Sugar Fire is, is by far my favorite barbecue place. And everybody that I run into, they're like, dude, that place is legit. And here's part of the reason. You can follow them on social media, at Sugar Fire Westie, and they're always posting their daily specials. So freaking good. So good, whether it's burgers, burnt ends, smoked fried wings, brisket mac and cheese, you name it. There's a ton of amazing things because Chef Clint, who's classically trained, has that restaurant humming because it is chef driven. When you go in there, when here's what, what's funny. You know how when you see a picture on social media of a sandwich that a restaurant where you could go buy it? And then you go there, and it's just nothing like that. When you go to Sugar Fire and you get the food that they present on, on social media, the fancy-looking pictures, that's what you get at your table. And you're like, this is, like, picture perfect. So amazing. It's delicious. And they also have amazing sides. It's not just the main entrees that are spectacular, but they got hash brown casserole, Brussels sprouts, and sweet chili, cucumber salad, smashed loaded potatoes don't forget about their sauces they got st louis sweet texas hot coffee carolina mustard and white barbecue it's all amazing sugar fire in westminster by far my favorite barbecue place in the state of colorado it's family friendly which i love i got two young kids and it's just it's a great place to go it's perfect for date night as well taking my wife there several times and they even do catering for those special family events whether it's your birthday, wedding, holiday parties, whatever. But they also could do, speaking of holiday parties, they could do that for your office. Or maybe you just got a big meeting that you want to impress everybody with. That's why you kick it up several notches by having it catered by Sugar Fire in Westminster. 
You got to check them out. Sugar Fire in Westminster, 144th and Orchard Parkway. Follow them on social media at Sugar Fire Westie. It's Sugar Fire in Westminster, reinventing barbecue every single day.